Hey, what's up? My name is Dusty Otis. I am the lead pastor here at The Grove in Fort Collins, Colorado. Thank you so much for taking part of your day to be a part of this church, to engage in this message, and for supporting our ministry. It means more than you know. None of what we get to do happens without you. I pray that today's message speaks to your heart. I hope that it helps you move forward in your relationship with God, and I hope that you become just a little bit better in following Jesus because you took the time to listen today. Enjoy the message. Uh, still in a series titled uh, A Better Way Forward and talking about the journey towards 2023 taken. We've been really intentional over the past eight weeks and we're going to be super intentional over the next eight weeks to uh, jump into 2023 healthy, rooted, refreshed, and ready to live a life of purpose in 2023. And so the foundation of this series is 1 Thessalonians 5.23. And that says, now may the God of peace himself sanctify you through and through. May your spirit, soul, and body be kept and found blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus. So then the root of this is you are a spirit, you have a soul, and you live in a body. And in that, your uh, spirit has been called your heart, and your soul has been called your mind, and your body is called your flesh. That's, those are biblical terms. And so then your be identity is who you are. It's who God made you to be. And your do identity is your actual body. And your soul is the, is the one that keeps the two together. And so God's called you to be somebody. He's gave you purpose as you're chosen. There's a ton of those things we've been through. But the way that we interact in the world is with our five senses. And so our spirit uh, and our soul and our body have a big part to do with that. And so there's this crazy study out right now that says that the majority of Americans would choose employment over enjoyment. A lot. Okay. We're not talking about being lazy and we're not talking about um, riding the line. We're talking about overworking. We're just, we've just turned into workaholics. Okay. And so We've become workaholics, and it's not just to get more. It's because we don't know how to stop. We've kind of driven the car as far as it will go, as fast as it go, and we just live exhausted. The same study shows that America is sleep-deprived, that we're getting two hours less sleep a night now than we did 50 years ago. And some of that is, is due to our sweet cell phones that, when the iPhone came out, just changed everything, right? And so, and so when you see that, you, you realize that we really have a hard time relaxing. Even when we go to bed, the screen time tends to dominate our life, and so... We don't know how to relax. We, we struggle to rest. What I love about the song that Heather sang this morning was, God is rest. In the middle of that song, right in the middle, it talked about him being a God of rest. And the way that we live today, you can really find it summed up in Job 20, verse 18. And it says, they are unable to relax and enjoy anything they work for. And so then where do we see rest? Rest is really found in the story of creation with God. It says, and I'm gonna paraphrase here, essentially the first six days, of creation, God created everything. He saw that it was good. And on the seventh day, he rested. In fact, it says, God then blessed the seventh day and made it holy because on it, he rested from all the work of creating and all that he had done. And so then God took a day to enjoy the work that he, and his, the creation that he made. And so then he, he did this. And this is an example for us. It always gets steamy up here. Okay. So God rested intentionally, and he's called you to rest intentionally too. He's called us to be imitators of him in everything, and that means God set the rhythm for our life. He set us to be six days on, one day off. That's what he set, and, it's, and that's been God's rhythm for your life since time began. And so that's really what finding your flow is. Today is week eight. We're talking about finding your flow today, and really that's God's rhythm for your life. And so God knows what you need. He's the author and the perfecter of your faith is what it says. And so if we know that, then we know that we should really be in tune with the author of the book. He's the author of this book, but he's also the author of your life. And so then 
Being in tune means we get in rhythm. And the only way we can do that really is to stop and rest so we can hear. I don't know about you guys, the faster I go, the harder it is for me to hear, especially at home with Heather. Amen? <laughs> and so if we don't, what happens if we don't stop and rest, we're really refusing to accept God's rhythm for us. It's God's rhythm for us. And as image bearers, God said in creation that he made you in his image and he made you male and female. And so then our ability to become like Jesus is really the start of reflecting his image and who God is. And so then rest is the goal. Everybody say rest. rest. It's not a bad word, I promise. And so when we come to a halt, the reality of coming to a halt is really the root of this series. We get to connect with our spirit. When you connect with your spirit, who God's made you to be, when everything is shut off, there's this peace and calm that comes like the song that we sang. And so what happens is you connect with the spirit, but also that's the image that God created you in. And so then your mind, your will, and your emotions, your intellect, as well as your physical body become wired by God in those moments of rest or rewired or refreshed or renewed or regenerated, like we say. And we get that way for the rhythm of work, play, rest, and recreation that God created us for, not the, not the, the way that we go. Does that make sense? And so intentional rest gives us spiritual connection. Unintentional rest gives us restlessness. And they have pills for that. And if you're on those, you can get off if you just take a break, okay? And so we get restless because we're out of rhythm and we're disconnected spiritually. We're disconnected spiritually. God comes back in Exodus 31, 17. He says, one day a week will always serve as a reminder that I, rem that I made the heavens and the earth in six days. And on the seventh day, I rested and relaxed. That's what he said. Again, this is the model for us. So we, we, we sometimes separate ourselves from God. We say, well, he's, he's like this high, mighty mob boss. No, God's a God of love. And he's, he's prescribed this for you, for us. And so God modeled this and he said, you do it. You work six and you rest one. And so we see rest for us in the Bible when Moses is writing the 10 commandments. I'm not going to go through those today, but the fourth commandment speaks about a Sabbath. And Sabbath is just really a church word that means to um, cease, to stop working, to rest. The fourth commandment is the longest commandment. It's the one that Moses had to chisel, that Moses had to chisel the most in. And it be, it's like this long. All the others are like one line. And then the fourth commandment is like a whole tablet. And so it was exhausting to do this. This is how important it was to God that we take a break. And so to stop working, to rest was super important. And this is what God did on the seventh day. And what he's saying in this commandment to us is, you do this too. You do this too. And what you need to realize is the people he's saying it to, they've been slaves for over 430 years. So they don't know their identity. They don't know who they are. And they would much rather go back to a comfortable prison than an unfamiliar freedom. And what he's saying is you need rest. You need to connect with your being, with who you are. And so then, in biblical terms, what a Sabbath means is 24 hours with nothing work-related. God is asking you to rest. He requires it for your benefit. And he commands it so you'll take it seriously, not so you'll do what he says. He just wants you to take it seriously. And so then, again, rest is not a cuss word. And so today, if I say rest or if I say stop, I'm really saying Sabbath because that's the biblical term. But it's just a Hebrew word that means to cease, to stop working, or to rest. And so then what you need to know is the discipline of rest at its root is stopping to trust God. Not because he's your boss, but because he's your provider. And so then we imitate God by stopping our work to rest. After six days, we rest one. And what keeps us from doing this is lack of trust in God's rhythm that he set for us, right? 
And I'm super guilty of this, by the way. We don't stop because he said so. We stop because we trust him. And so there was a time in my life, I wasn't going to tell you this, but there was a time in my life where um, I was holding three full-time spots at one organization. I was getting one paycheck for all three, and they were getting their money's worth out of me. And I collapsed. It's a long story. I didn't know if I was going to make it to that moment. All I knew is I was seven minutes late to the next place I had to be. And instead of calling my wife or calling the doctor, I stole some Cheetos and increased my blood sugars and drank some water, and I moved right on. There have been times in my life where, there have been times in ministry where I've preached a sermon and went to the back and changed bandages after having extensive surgeries because I didn't want blood to come through my shirt. Because I had to. I just had to. I created this this thing of like, man, work. If I'm just, if, and if I work, it'll be good enough, right? And I really misinterpreted scripture. And so rest was so far from me. And it really affected the first two or three years of our marriage because I was so addicted to work, the adrenaline of work, doing, accomplishing, getting things done. And so what kept me from resting was my lack of trust in God, even though I was in ministry. I was in ministry. I was neglecting God's rhythm of life for me. And so we stop because we trust him. So to find your flow is to receive the invitation from God to stop and rest. If you're going to find a healthy rhythm, if you're going to find a healthy rhythm, you must receive the invitation from God to stop and rest, which means you need to trust him in your stopping. You need to trust him in your stopping. And so I'm not going to ask you for a show of hands. We're going to do a little quiz here. This, this goes with the same study that I opened with. And uh, maybe you can get something from this. This will let you know if you're too busy or you could be a workaholic. By the way, every answer to these questions for me at one time was yes. Are you always in a hurry? Is your to-do list unrealistic? Is it unrealistically long? My to-do list was color-coded. And so I knew what I was doing tomorrow and the day after that, and the day after that, and I kept adding to it and it was just exhausting. Has more than one person ever advised you to slow down? Or, or relax. That's the best when somebody tells you to relax, isn't it? Oh. Do you feel guilty when you leave early? Do you feel guilty when you leave work early? Do you feel guilty when you relax? Do you have to have a sick day to get a day off of work? I've been through many of sick days, and those being my only ruining my perfect attendance, man. Does crisis have to happen or somebody in your family get married for you to miss a day at work? Do you only get Christmas cards from people you work with? <laughs> Been there. Is your phone always on? Is it always in reach? Do you take work to the bathroom with you? Dang it. Dang it, right? Does your family think you live there or you just occupy a spot for a couple hours a day? Does your family think you live at home or are you just an occupant? And today, you might see one of those or all of those and say, Dusty, I have to do that. I really have to do that. And I just want to challenge you to look around our city at the people walking the streets, and do they feel the same thing that you feel? They don't feel like they have to do anything. I'm not being ugly. That's the truth. So then who creates the need to, to go? Who creates the drive that, that we put inside of ourselves? Especially when God said, hey, if you just take a break, you're going to find a healthy rhythm for your life. And so... If you ask yourself, do I really have to do all those things? Does my phone really have to be on blah, blah, blah? You've heard it all. And what the Bible says about this, I'm glad you want to know what the Bible says about this, by the way. What you find in Matthew 6, 26 through 34, I'm going to paraphrase a lot of this because you don't want me to read the Bible to you. You didn't come here for that. And so 
It essentially says, look at the birds of the air. They neither sow seed nor reap nor gather crops into barns. And yet God keeps feeding them. Aren't you much more important than those birds? Everybody said yes. And then it says, uh, and who of you by worrying can add one hour of length to your life? Spoiler alert, you can't. Verse 28 says, why are you worried about clothes? See the lilies and the wildflowers of the field? Do they not? They don't work either. <laughs> they don't work either. Nor do they spin wool to make clothing. How much more will God clothe you? Do not have such little faith. Do not have such little faith. Therefore, worry, do not worry, be anxious about anything, saying, what are we going to do? Fear and worry are what drive you more than anything to work more than you should. For your heavenly father knows what you need. Matthew 6, this is a foundational uh, verse of my life. It says, but first and most importantly, seek God and his kingdom, and all these things will be added to you. When it's me and God together, and I trust his will for my life and his rhythm for my life, it seems that things tend to line up for me, and it goes good. And we'll talk about that a little bit more next week. And when you think about seek God and his will, seek him first, what he's saying is on six, off one. On six, off one. So then verse 34, don't worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about itself each day. Today, even though it's Sunday, has enough of its own. There's enough of today for you for today. You don't need to think about tomorrow. Ever wondered when we read through that, you ever wondered why we go so hard knowing that God has our back anyways? Wait a second, the birds are taken care of? The flowers are taken care of? What am I doing? Have you ever wondered that? You ever wonder like, wow, God's saying that he has my back, but I'm really showing him that I don't believe a word he's saying because I continually push to go, go, go. Because we check the box of, I have to provide, or I have bills to pay, or I just bought a new car, or I got to pay for that boat, RV, whatever, right? And so I never asked myself that either. And all the times I was, I was pushing myself to extreme, extreme 90 to 100 hours a week, work. There was so many times I never even thought one time, God's got it. God's got it. In Mark 227, 227, it says that rest, and this isn't going to be up there. Rest was made for man, not man for rest. Rest was made for man, not man for rest. So then that means rest is always waiting on you. It's always waiting. So rest is really dependent on your readiness to stop. Rest, what Mark 2, 27 is saying is rest is dependent on your readiness to stop. So that means that we do not stop when we finish a project or we finish a phone call or respond to an email or we finish a stack of papers that's on our desk for tomorrow, right? It's due tomorrow though. Wait a second, God's called you to rest. And so stopping doesn't mean doing a bunch of religious activities, right? To check a box, to say that you did, to say that you did. Rest is always waiting on you, and it's waiting for, it is really about your readiness to stop. And so in Isaiah, it says this, you will keep in perfect peace those whose minds are steadfast because they trust in you, which means you don't have to worry. You only have to rest. Trust God in your rest, and that peace comes, perfect peace like we sang about this morning. And so because of the discipline, because of this, the discipline that liberates you from the need to be finished is rest. You don't stop because God said so. You stop because you trust him. You stop because you trust him. You know which business has figured this out the best? Does anybody know who's figured out the, the business that's figured out the Sabbath the best? Chick-fil-A, Christian chicken. It's blowing every other chicken shop's mind in town, right? Wait a second. They all, and, they, and the only time we like to go is on Sunday, and they're never open, right? And so it's like, we should do Chick-fil-A. No, we shouldn't. And so 
Chick-fil-A goes six days a week and they go hard six days a week and they take the, take the seventh day off and they still make more money than every other chicken place in town. Well, it's Jesus. Now, they're, they're, what they're doing is they're building their business on a biblical principle. Take, go six and take one off. Go six and take one off. I had a buddy, I had a buddy in town and they're the friendliest, by the way, which is really nice. Next time you go through the Chick-fil-A drive-thru, I'm gonna challenge you, ask the people why they like working there. Why they like working there. Every one of them say the people. Every one of them say the people. I had seven people in one visit I asked, and everybody said the exact same thing. The people. I love the people here. I love the people here. There's something special about that, right? So I had a friend uh, who started his own business just a couple years ago, and he was short-staffed, and oh, man, overworked, underpaid. You guys know how that goes. And in all this, he came, he came to me. He's like, man, he's like, I'm, I'm I can't lay anybody else off. We've already laid off everybody we can lay off. And, and I'm like, dude, you're, you're grinding it out. He's like, yeah, we're going seven days a week, and, and it's hard. I'm like, shh. The first thing I think is, you need to take a day off. You need to take a day off. Dude, I can't. So then when I said Sabbath, I said, you need to take a Sabbath. And he goes, I can't take a Sabbath. Sunday's our busiest day. He's in retail. And I'm like, I didn't say take Sunday off. I said, take a day off. Take a Sabbath. And dude, I guarantee if you'll do that, if you'll just commit that to God, he believes in God. So we knew that he was building his business on biblical values, biblical principles. And so I said, if you'll take that day off, God's going to bless you, man. God will bless you. And I said, here's what you do. Don't tell anybody you're doing it until the day of. So Sunday, when you go into work, tell them, hey, you're off tomorrow. You're off tomorrow. If, if your boss came in and said, hey, you're off tomorrow, wouldn't that be like snow day, right? Snow day. Everybody say snow day. And so what he did is he's like, hey, you guys have been so great this week. We're going to start taking Mondays off. That starts tomorrow. And the whole place celebrated because they've been grinding themselves in the ground. And today, which we're about, we're 10 years past that right now, his business makes seven times what it made before when he was working seven days a week and he was running his people in the ground. Why? It's a biblical principle. I go hard six. You can go as hard as you want six. God says, go work your face off for six if you like. Take one off. It's a biblical principle. And so why? Regularly stopping, pausing, and resting, and reflecting gives us the chance to get into a rhythm. And it sets a rhythm powerful enough that's going to anchor you in any storm. So that instead of trying to run from the storm that's coming, you just rest in it and let it pass because you know who God is. Does that make sense? And so in Psalms 23, Psalms 23 highlights everything that a good shepherd does. There's like 10 things in this, and I'm not going to go through all 10, and you're going to thank me for that later. But one thing that, that God does more than anything as the good shepherd, because we're all sheep, we're all sheep. A good shepherd will always bring his sheep to rest. He'll always get them to rest. And so to start to wrap this up, Psalms 23, one says, the Lord is my shepherd to feed, to guide, and to shield me. I shall not want. What's that mean? I have everything I need. I have everything I need because God is my shepherd. And verse two says he makes, makes is a, if you want to underline makes, if you're taking notes, makes is a big word there. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. Lie down means to rest and still water brings refreshment. Water brings refreshment. So he's going to bring you rest and refreshment, right? Two guys, God can make you lay down. Snow day, sick day. Okay. Snow day, sick day, sick day. And really, the choice is yours. How and, and what are you working in your rhythm? And so, um, was it verse three? He refreshes and restores my soul, which is my mind. We talked about, we've talked about that all series long. He leads me in paths of righteousness. Verse three, 
is really the result of letting God lead me to rest, refreshment, and restoration for my soul. So then just partners, so good. So then to give God your best, to live your best life requires rest. The difference between having more and having less is really, is really rest. The difference between being blessed and stressed is rest. No rest, stressed. Rest, blessed. Simple way to put it. We could teach a whole series on that, but you just get that bullet point for today. And so then the difference between blessed and stressed is often rest, not accomplishment. Here's what I was doing and here's what we do. We're going to accomplish something. We're going to put God's name on it. And then we're going to say, look what the Lord has done. Okay. People who believe in God do this all the time. I need this done. I'm going to work my butt off for this and I'm going to get it done. And then after I get done, we go, look how good God is. When really it was just you busting your butt, right? We do that all the time. The Lord is my shepherd. He makes me lie down. Isn't it amazing? I wish Heather was here right now. It's amazing when, when you lie down, when you take a rest or a good night's sleep, the next day when you wake up, how much things change. Do you know what I'm saying? Heather sometimes thinks I have multiple personalities because I will be just out of my mind about something at night. And the next day I wake up, I'm just like, it's all good. It's really not a big deal. And she'll be like, told you so. Right? And then she thinks I'm weird because, because I was going so far down the other path, and, and that's what I do. And so, ever see a child fight rest? We love to take road trips, and so our kids, we have, we have hundreds of memories of our, of our kids falling asleep. Lainey is the best. I'll sometimes share her stuff on social media because I laugh until I cry. And so when she was just big enough to get out of her car seat and sit in the regular seat, she'd be like a windshield wiper when we would turn. She was all the way over here and all the way over here. But she'd fight, and you'd say, Lainey, you sleeping? No, I'm thinking. No, I'm thinking. And uh, we used to, I used to play a song, a Bob Seger song, You're Busted. Every time that she would go to sleep, I'd just put it on and I'd look around and she'd be asleep. And so if you saw kids fighting rest before, there's no diff- it's no different. She just, she just doesn't have the strength, right, to go. And we do. If you've ever fight, see uh, kids fight, struggling rest, this is like us at night. I don't know if you've ever fell asleep. This is the worst thing ever. When you're holding your iPad or your phone and you fall asleep and it busts you in the lip, it's the worst thing ever. And then you went from all of a sudden being peaceful to being extremely upset, right? And so kids who struggle to fall asleep, their eyes are nodding, their head is bobbing, they're all over the place. And you're driving, you're going, for Pete's sake, just go to sleep. Just get some rest. What are you fighting for? We got six hours left. Just go to sleep. We'll be there quicker if you do, right? And so the reality in all of that, adult or kid, is resistance to rest is immaturity. It's immaturity. It's really us going, I got it. I got it. I got it. That's like me driving for 15 hours in a row for some dumb reason, right? Like, just need more caffeine. No, you don't. You need rest. You need rest. I'm just being immature in this, right? And so what keeps us from rest? What makes us fight? I want to talk about five things, five things that keep you stressed and that keep you overloaded, that keep you feeling like you have to work, okay? And uh, I want to see if you can relate to any of them. The number, one, the number one reason is misplaced identity. Misplaced identity. This is me basing my worth on my work. My job has become who I am. So when people say, hey, uh, hi, I'm Dusty. What's your name? My name's Jerry. Jerry, what do you do? I'm a blank. And so that's, they're wrapped up in that, right? This is who I am. It's easy to confuse your worth and your work. It's easy to confuse your net worth and your self-worth. And it's easy to misplace or misconstrue uh, your value and your valuables, right? 
And the, the person who's like this has misplaced identity, they think, like I used to think, if I work real hard, right, and I'm successful, then I'll be valuable. And the people who don't think like this think, if I don't work and I'm not productive, I won't bring value. And both are lies. Both are lies. Because believing that a title or a position brings you worth is wrong. It's wrong. Ecclesiastes 10.15 says, The labor of a fool wears him out so much because he is ignorant that he can't even find his way home. Dang it. That's a tough statement. That's pretty bold, but it's truth. It's truth, right? Life is more important than work. Yes, work's important, but your life, God values you more than he values that thing that you do. And so you, when you have misplaced identity, you put your time and your energy and your effort into consistently doing what you do, and it becomes who you are, right? And now all of a sudden we identify as what. And so when you do this, you can't flow in who God's created you to be. The number two reason that people won't rest is materialism. Materialism. Always wanting more stuff. Boy, this is a trap, right? Materialism is a trap because it's never enough, right? Uh, I think P. Diddy said, mo money, mo problems. Okay, mo money, mo problems. When I gotta have more things, I gotta make more money. When I gotta make more money, I have to work longer. When I work longer, it takes more of my energy, so I have to work harder. All to say, look at what I have, right? Proverbs 23, four and five warns us about materialism. It says this, don't wear yourself out trying to get rich. Have the wisdom, have the wisdom to show some restraint. Restraint. Your money can be gone in a flash as if it grew wings and flew away like an eagle, which is probably why the people who founded our country put an eagle on every dollar bill so you would recognize how fast it flies away. Right? What you need to know is this. This is a big point. Materialism leads us to spend the first half of our life sacrificing our health to gain wealth, which leads us to spend the last half of our life sacrificing our wealth for our health. It's a humongous point. And Luke 12, 15 warns us about that. It says, watch out. Always be on guard against every kind of greed because your life is not defined by how much you make or how many things you have. God's called you to be more than that anyways. The number three reason you won't rest is envy. Envy. It's got to be like keeping up with the Joneses, right? Keeping up with the Joneses. Well, look at all they have. So because they have it, I should have it. Well, their kids are in seven different sports. So my kids are going to be in seven different sports right? Well, she's always on social media, so I always got to be on social media. Well, he's at that game, so I'm going to that game, right? Constantly. And other people steal your time and your rest and your money because of envy, right? We make decisions out of envy, which is just ignorant. Solomon, who's the smartest man that ever walked the earth, said in Ecclesiastes 4.4, I've learned why people I've learned why people work so hard to succeed. It's because they envy the things their neighbors have. They envy the things their neighbors have. Number four reason people won't rest is they have confused values. Confused values. Work and everything else. I value this. This is it for me, right? And so men tend to do this a lot easier than women, but we're all prone to overwork and to confuse our values and value hard work over rest. That's, you can fill in the blank there. And so people have walked away from marriages for a career. They've walked away from parenting for an agenda. And Solomon again says in Ecclesiastes 4, 7, 9, he said, here's another thing on earth that I have seen that makes no sense. Some people don't have any kids, any family, or even friends, yet they work obsessively, never taking a break. Never taking a break. There is no end to their busyness 
and they are never content with what they have done or earned. God didn't put us on earth to, to check boxes, right, and file to-do lists. He put you here to learn how to walk in love. Spoiler for next week, Matthew 22, 37 through 39 says, love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and love your neighbor as yourself, right? And so how do I get out of learning how to love? Stay busy. Just stay busy. Stay busy. Because when I'm busy, I don't have to worry about my values or what God's concerned with. I just get to focus on what I'm concerned with, right? Resting means taking time for me. Resting means taking time for you, and that's something we struggle with. Because it has to do with care, self-care. Wait a second. No, I don't want to be soft. It's not about that. It's about extending your life. It's about finding the rhythm that God wants you to live, right? So you really just need to value yourself like God values you. And you'll find that rhythm, right? You'll begin to love, love others like, you love, like God loves you. The number five reason we won't rest, last one. Nice. Insecurity. Insecurity. I'm afraid I won't have enough. And you can fill in the blank for whatever enough is. Sometimes that's personal and I'm not enough if I don't work right? If I just got to keep working. And the reality is, is you can't have security in anything that can be taken away from you. So you can have a lot of things, money, property, square footage, <laughs> cars, all of those things can be taken in a flash, right? And so you're not going to find security in anything that can be taken from you. Insecure means never enough. No matter how, bar the, how high the bar is, it's never reached. It's like the little train that could. You just keep chugging along, but the bar that you're chasing is constantly moving because Insecurity. Insecurity. Psalms 127.2 says, It is senseless for you to work so hard from early in the morning until late at night, fearing and worrying. This goes back to that Matthew chapter 6 verse. Fearing and worrying that you do not have enough. For God wants his loved ones to get their proper rest. Rest. Fear and worry equal insecurity. So if you're going to find your flow, if you're going to find rest, I'm going to close with this. Anybody here see the 1883 series that was out? It's got Tim McGraw in it and Faith Hill. And if you haven't, it's okay. I'm not going to recommend it because I really don't remember what's in it. But it's about a wagon train that's moving across the country. Okay? And as this wagon train's moving across the country, there's hundreds of wagons. Hundreds of wagons. These people are going from St. Louis to Oregon. And as they're going, it's getting colder and fall's approaching. And a couple of them push the oh crap button, right? This isn't good. And when they started this journey, they said, what we're going to do is we're going to ride and we're going to drive for six days and we're going to take one off. And we're going to rest. We're going to rest our cattle. We're going to do what we need to do, right? Gather meat, all the stuff that they did in the 1880s. And this causes a big problem. It's a humongous argument and there's a split, there's a divide. And they come to blows, and, and what happens is they say, okay, here's, fine. Here's what we're going to do. We're going to split this thing into two. And so about 1,200 people kept going the original way. They drove for six, and they rested one. And the others drove as hard as they could for as long as they could, seven days a week. Guess who showed up to Oregon first? The people who rested. And all the fear and worry of it's going to be too cold, and the snow's coming. They got lapped because the rest that they got, that the people who went six and took one off provided them enough rest and enough energy that they could travel more effectively and more efficiently in six than the people going seven could. Here's what's unique. When they got to Oregon, they were ready to keep going. And when the other crew showed up, they were just glad to be there. 
And that's how a lot of us live day to day, right? I'm just glad that day's over and now we gotta go again. That's what happens when you're in the constant ground of seven all the time, right? And they were able to keep going. So when they got to Oregon, although they were thankful they were there because they were rested, because they had found a rhythm, they were ready to keep going because they found a rhythm. It wasn't just a grind, right? How many of you guys know when you have a flat tire and you've been working seven days a week or you've been working for 63 days, that flat tire is now a mountain to change as opposed to had a flat, had a flat, right? So find that rhythm. God wants the same rhythm for you that they did for my buddy who's in business, the way that Chick-fil-A operates their business, not to use them as the way, but that's it. They're taking the biblical principle and they're maximizing their efforts on it, right? And so then God's the one who multiplies the fruit of your effort. It's not us. We tend to think, I don't trust you. I got this. If I just work one more day, I'll make this much more so I can keep doing that, so we can keep doing this, so we can all be all happy, yet I'm not happy, right? And when you trust God enough to stop, you're going to find your flow because that's God's rhythm for you. Here's what Hebrews 4.9 says. So there is full, there's a full and complete rest waiting for the people of God. Christ has already entered there. He's resting from his work just as God did after the creation. So then, let us do our best to go into that place of rest too. Everybody say two. That means you. That means you. So the Sabbath was created by God so that you could imitate him by stopping your work and resting so you could enjoy the fruit of your labor just as he did. So then he gives you permission to stop. God gives you permission to stop. That's a gift. That's a gift. God worked, we worked. God rested, we rest. And so we stop to rest because it's refreshing, it's restful, and not just because it's not God said so, God made you for it. God made you for rest. He asked you to do it and he gave it to you. So here's your action steps this week. By the way, when you, when you live in this rhythm, when you actually stop because you trust God, you confirm that God's the center and the source of your life. It's now not me, it's you. You confirm that he is the beginning and the middle and the end, right? And you trust him to provide and to care for you in every season, even your days off, even your days off. And so your action step is this, your first one, take your first snow day. Take your first snow day, Sabbath, whatever. Do you guys remember the first, if you remember what a snow day is, we're all a little bit older in here, but snow days were the best day on the face of the earth. There was excitement and anticipation and enjoyment and laughter. And it was like, let's go. I don't have any responsibilities today. That's the Sabbath. That's what God has intended for your one day off to feel like. It's way better than a sick day, by the way. Okay? Take a day off with the energy and the relief that a snow day gives you. That a snow day gives you. Otherwise, you're going to run yourself in the ground and you'll take a sick day and complain the whole day through it while you're in the doctor's office with a mask on, complaining about this stinks and I don't feel good, right? Number two, take a snow day every week. Take a snow day every week. Snow days give you freedom to do whatever you want. They give you freedom to do whatever you want. There's no obligation. There's no pressure. There's no responsibility. You don't have to have permission. If you remember the snow day, right? So then what do you do on a snow day? You put on a Patrick Swayze movie and you fall asleep. That's what you do. That's what you did when, what I did, right? You read a book, you get with your family, you hang out with your friends. 
The, the reality in taking this note every week is rarely, rarely does anybody ever give themselves a no obligation day. You know what? I'm going to do anything today. God says you're good enough in that moment too. You're good enough in that moment. And what I hope that you realize in point two is that free time is meant to be walked in freedom. No longer a slave to the things that kept you. No longer a slave to your job. The third action step is trust. God's no obligation day. Here's what he said. Go six and take one. So then God's given you permission to have 52 snow days a year. That's a lot, right? That's a lot. Trust that. Trust that. He will provide in it. The one who created you gives you over seven weeks of snow days. Take them. Take them. Because you're, yeah, take them. Trust me. Find your flow. Number four, find your flow. Find your flow. Begin to implement intentional stops, rest periods, reflection, and recognition so you can find that rhythm that anchors your soul so that when storms come, you can let them pass instead of exhaust yourself running from them, right? You're going to be more effective and more efficient. You're going to have more energy when you find your flow. You're going to be driven less by caffeine and more by rest. Because you're rested, you're going to be able to go in a rhythm that God created you to run. Some of the greatest heartbreak I've ever felt was because I was an idiot with this. And uh, it created so much separation between me and my wife. It, it affected the way that uh, my first son interacted with me. I might have told this story before, but I came in. Oscar was 18 months old, and he was he's 11 now, so that gives you a time frame where we're at. And I threw my keys. I'd been, I'd, I'm exhausted. I was in that three-position three job that we just love to do, right? And I threw my keys and he stood over. He was super scared of me. He stood way back here. And because I threw my keys and slung my bag, he didn't want anything to do with me. I didn't realize that. I'm just unpacking my bag and getting my bag ready for tomorrow and, and setting my phone over to the side. I was, I was trying to implement some of this stuff. And, and the next day I walked in and it was a good day. I went on the phone. I came in the house and, and I came and I set my bag down and I set my keys down and I, and I greeted Heather and he ran to me and he tackled my leg. And God immediately in that moment was like, moron. You know what I'm saying? Like, he's not afraid. Why is he not afraid today? And I'm, I'm like that, so I'll spin wheels in my head for a long time. And I'm like, wow, wow, the way, the pace that I'm going and what I'm carrying, I was never meant to run this way. God didn't ask to keep up with me. And so I'm not meant to go the pace I'm going. And, and a few days later, we had had Axton uh, actually, there's 22 months. So four months later, um, again, I've, I've shelved some of my responsibilities, but I'm still working my butt off. And, and I go in to get Oscar out of his crib because Heather's feeding, uh, feeding Axton. And I go in to get him and he runs from me. He hides in the very corner of his crib, way over, way over out of the way. And he's like screaming like somebody's about to shoot him, that kind of scream, okay? And he doesn't want to come to me. And I'm like, man, what? like I'm just here to help. I'm just here to help. And the reality in that was I never got him out of his crib before. And I was spending so much time with everybody else and I was spending no time with my kids. And so the next day I walked and I resigned. I resigned because why? God said, the people I was working for didn't value the same thing I valued. Matter of fact, they were affecting my values 
and they were creating something and I created something. I was, I'm just as much to blame. The place I worked for was amazing. It's amazing. But Oscar was so scared of it because I had been spending so much time with everybody else and none with him. So I couldn't even get him out of his crib. And so the next day I came in, I said, okay, listen, I can't do this anymore and I can't do this anymore. And if you want me to stay doing this, I'm your guy. And you know what they said? Sweet. And we hired two people and they took those two jobs and I oversaw them and it was amazing. But it took me going, hey, I'm out. The ship's sinking and it's almost gone. And so before that happens, I just want to tell you, okay, I'm going to have some wisdom like Psalms tells me. I'm going to have some wisdom to say, hey, I need one, I need some help. Two, I can't do this anymore. And if you work for somebody good, they're going to help you out. And hopefully you haven't found yourself in that place, but that's it. That's it. Have the wisdom to say enough's enough. Enough's enough. God's called me. He set this rhythm. Several examples going that way. Thank you so much for joining us today. It means more than you know to have you with us. And to all of you who partner with us and support the mission of our church, thank you. We cannot be the church without you. Go ahead and click the link in the description to partner with us now, or you can visit thegrovefc.com forward slash partner. If you enjoy the podcast, please take a minute to like and subscribe. And if you know someone who would benefit from hearing this message, share it with them. This is how the gospel goes forward. Thanks again for being here today. God bless you.